everybody. Welcome back to another edition of The Teardown. My name is Jeff Gluck, and I'm along with my co-worker, George Bianchi. We are motorsports writers at The Athletic, and we have just watched the Roval race, the round two elimination race for the NASCAR playoffs. Jordan is on site in Charlotte, and a little bit different race than I think we perhaps expected, um, especially after the Xfinity race. Um, you know, I think, you know, and everybody thought with similar forecasts today, this was going to be uh, total chaos. In the end, a pretty straightforward uh, professional race, I would say there, Jordan. What about you? Yeah, I think we were all kind of parodying the same thing at, at going into today, especially after yesterday's Xfinity Series race, that this was going to be to this was going to be chaotic. There was going to be heavy rain. It was going to be puddles on the track. And there was even some discussion of, you know, do you think NASCAR may push this race until tomorrow? If the conditions were like they you know were during the Xfinity series race. And this is, is it, you were, you know, I know you were talking about this and is this a way a playoff race should be, you know, the conditions that a playoff race should be ran in. And guess what? We didn't have anything. It wasn't, it wasn't a chaotic race today. It was a very calm race. This is the, the calmest robo race we've ever had. Um, very mild by an elimination race standards. The four drivers that were below the cut line coming in or the four drivers eliminated. Um, it, w- it was a good race, but it just wasn't, it certainly was not at all what anybody was expecting. Yeah, this race um, actually kind of reminded me more of the Daytona Roval race yeah. um, yes. in the summer than the previous two Roval races. And that's a great observation by you that this was the calmest of the three editions of the Roval race so far. Um, I mean, the first, the inaugural Roval race was crazy. <laughs> Last year, you had Chase Elliott um, going into the wall while leading and then coming back. So you had some drama there. Um, this year, I mean, you know, yeah, of course you guys, you, you know, you had guys spinning and things like that. Oh yeah. Entertaining. Pretty standard. But you know, as far as the, the playoff part of it and the, the drama, I mean, it was really, unless you thought that Kyle Busch was somehow going to pull off a miracle there, um, at the end, which would have required, um, you know, some miraculous fuel thing as well. In addition to being able to keep his track position on old tires, uh, you know, there, there was really nothing, there was never really much of a question of, you know, the, 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 certainly the points positions never got close at all. Yeah. It reminded me of, this is the second elimination race in a row we've had where it's been kind of, um, tepid, you know, at Bristol was the same thing where anyone who was above the cut line going into the race didn't have those issues that really opens it up for everyone else. That was the same thing that happened again today. You know, Joey Logano, Martin Trix Jr., Alex Bowman. Um, I'm, I'm leaving out some names, but they, nobody had that big problem that put them behind the wall or put them many laps down and, you know, they're going to lose a ton of points. And then it opens the door for someone to jump ahead of them in the standings or there wasn't anybody after Clint Boyer kind of faded, there wasn't anybody below the cut line who you really realistically thought was going to win the race. Kyle Bush had a, you know, a Hail Mary effort there at the end, but Let's be honest, that was a desperation thing. But once Boyer had his problems, it was pretty obvious, you know, that who's going to win this race is already going to be a playoff guy locked in. And it just, we just never materialized. It, the circumstances that you needed to, to make this race crazy never materialized. Yeah. And so as a result, um, you know, we, we came into this round thinking, wow, this is really going to, this really has the potential for chaos between Talladega and the Roval. And especially when, even after we got through Talladega and and everybody's approaching the Roval with the rain, and it was just going to be like, wow, this could really be a landmine for a big name to be knocked out somehow. And 
um, you know, whether it's, you know, a Keselowski type or, um, you know, anybody really within 30 points of the cut line. I mean, it could just be disastrous, Logano. Um, But ultimately what happens is, aside from Kurt Busch um, winning his way into the round, now he actually ends up finishing eighth in points. So in theory, he would have made it anyway. I know people could have raced differently had there been a point situation, but he, he, the, the top eight in points ended up all advancing. Um, and, you know, I could say, you know, Alex Bowman might have been a little bit of a question, um, you know, going into the playoffs. You know, certainly you wouldn't have thought he would make it into uh, the round of eight at the start of the playoffs. But even even last round, I think I had him being eliminated. But aside from Bowman and Kurt Busch, the, the other six drivers that you that went through are all the basically the six championship favorites that we had been talking about for months now. I mean, Hamlin, Harvick, Elliott, Truex, Logano, Kozlowski. Those have been the top six drivers all summer, pretty much the whole year. I mean, you could have argued, oh, well, Kyle Busch can maybe pop up there at some point, but never really made a threat. And so everybody has survived so far. So it's it's been a relatively straightforward playoffs despite all the potential landmines. It has. And it hasn't been, besides Kurt's win in Vegas, it really hasn't been the upsets and the craziness that we expect. I'm one of those people that thought Kyle Busch was going to, I don't want to say flip a switch because I don't know if you can ever really do that, but I expected Kyle Busch to, to be more competitive than he was and to maybe get that win. And I looked at it like there was a lot of good tracks for him and they, they've had a better year than people think. And at some point, their luck's going to turn around and their execution's going to be there and they're going to find a way to win the race or at least they're going to find a way to get enough points to move forward. And that just didn't happen. And it's... It's very surprising to me. You look at the six guys moving on, to echo your point. I mean, these other six guys, we expected to make these this kind of run, to, to be in this position in the semifinals. And, you know, two of them, Harvick and Hamlin, we absolutely expect to be in the championship four, or at least I do. And you could make a case for the other four. So, we, we, you know, we talked about Alex Bowman, you know, in round two. If he can get through this going in, we talked about Alex Bowman going in round two. If he could get through this round, guess what? The semifinal sets up pretty well for him. So I, I think it's going to be an interesting field going forward where, you know, they're, they're with Kurt and Alex, there's certainly two guys out there that we didn't expect to be in this position. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I really don't know what to make of the final four still itself. And we can certainly talk about that, um, you know, later or in the weeks to come. Um, you know, obviously it's, it's Hamlin and Harvick. I think, you know, any, any prediction would have to include them. I still feel like Truex is strong enough to make a case for himself being up there. Now he hasn't won much at all, Mm -hmm. but he always seems to be running in the top five at some point in the race almost every week. Yeah. Um, I'm not sold on, on Chase Elliott as much just because I mean, yeah, he, he won a road course, and, and we'll definitely talk about that and his road course prowess, but, Ooh, um, wow. you know, it's, it's I don't know. It's it's hard to, it's, I, I would I would think either Logano or Keselowski would get in there. One of them would get into the Final Four, you'd think. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't have much faith in Kurt Busch's team. Bowman's team, I actually feel decent about. Um, I guess you could, you, you know, you'd have to put him in the same, uh, boat is, is chase for the most part, you know, with Kansas and Texas can, you know, can they do something there and then Martinsville? But, um, I don't know. I still feel like Truex is got going to have a shot and then, you know, maybe Keselowski is, is gets that, that fourth spot. So, 
I don't know. It's it's been a really weird playoffs where it doesn't feel like um you know, we've talked about it with Hamlin, for instance, right? You know, after round one, we were like, man, Hamlin didn't have a really good round one. And then at the start of this round, you know, <laughs> they're like, oh, okay, Hamlin's Hamlin's back. Um, you know, he obviously spun out a bunch of times today and had problems, but again, road course. Harvick was a non-factor today, but again, road course. So it's just, it's weird. You know, the, I think the amount of the, the different tracks and uh, it's just hard to say this guy is the absolute favorite right now. Um, aside from just saying, well, Hamlin and Harvick have so many playoff points, so it's going to be tough to knock them out. But, you know, like Bowman said, it's, it's probably going to take a win for the, for everybody else in this round to get through. So we'll just see. We'll see who can win these next few races here, I guess. Yeah, and that's the thing. And you, you mentioned Martin Truex Jr. And the fact is, I really like how this, this upcoming round sets up for him. Kansas and Texas are two of his better tracks. He's had a lot of success at both of those. The JGR cars are very good a mile and a half racetracks this year. And they go to Martinsville where, guess what? Martin Truex Jr. is really good. You know, he, he won there earlier this year. So that is a track he can absolutely win at. So I, I believe that, like you, Harvick and Hamlin are locks to get the championship for or near locks. And I think those other two spots are going to go to guys who can win races. I, I like Truex to get there. And I think I'd like one of the Penske drivers to get there, but I don't ask me which one because I don't know. <laughs> I think it's just going to be kind of a situational thing. But um, there's part of me too that I, I don't know. I just I got this feeling about Bowman and it's just the way his season's shaping up, where they're at in the mile and a half racetracks. I mean, I just would not be surprised to see him go out and win at Kansas or Texas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Before we move on, you know, I, I know we're jumping around just a little bit here. Um, you know, the, the Kyle Busch thing, you asked him a question uh, after the race that seemed to hit close to home, I guess. Uh, you know, he, he kind of left the door open for potential changes that could be coming on his team. I mean, is this the end of Kyle and Adam Stevens? Uh, he certainly didn't want to talk about it yet, but quick prediction. I mean, does it sound to you like a breakup is coming there? Yes, and I and I don't have any inside information. Um, and I've had a few conversations with folks, but nothing. There, there's nothing concrete I would be confident in saying. But I think, based on how this season has gone, I, I don't know how you can't make changes. Um, and it seems really silly considering that one, Adam Stevens is by far the most successful crew chief. That Kyle, that Kyle Busch has never had more success with the crew chief than he has with Adam Stevens. Before Adam was his crew chief, Kyle, we, you know, his long list of disappointments in in the playoffs. We know about that. You know, in 2015, they win the championship. They win the championship last year. But I, I don't know how you can't look at the performance of this team. And it's not just 2020. We've talked about this. You've written about it. I've written about it. This goes back to even last year. I mean, they've got one win since... What, what when, when was it? Like Last June? Or June. Ju- yeah. yeah. That's, and granted, that race won them the championship, but that's crazy. And, and especially when you consider how dominant the Gibbs Toyotas have been, especially last year, um, that just seems unacceptable um, and, and certainly not to the expectations of anyone, anyone at Joe Gibbs Racing, Bush, Stevens, anyone in that organization. 
I don't know how you don't step back and say we, we there there needs to be a change here. And that doesn't that doesn't mean Adam isn't a great crew chief. I, I think he's one of the best out there, hands down. And he's <laughs> he's I don't think he gets enough credit for the job he's done with Kyle Busch. But I do think there's going to be changes. And Kyle, you know, in one of the answers to the questions I asked, he he said that they're evaluating changes to make and what if they need to make changes. So it certainly sounds like something is afoot or it's being talked about. So I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of weird just in the sense that like exactly what you said. I mean, Kyle had really had a problem keeping crew chiefs for a while um, and not clashing with them. And it seemed like they were such a good combination. Um, They've really had a lot of success, but you know, maybe, maybe relationships run their course like that. I, I don't know, but I also feel like, you know, what, what does this, um, what does this all coincide with for Kyle Bush? It all coincides with this new rules package, right? And you know, the, the, the package that he hated so much, of course he was the champion of it the first year, but you know, this, he has said from the beginning, this takes the driver out of it, uh, at least in his eyes compared to what it used to be. And so maybe he's not able to make as much difference now as he used to be. Um, you know, now that, you know, it's, it's a lot of, uh, keeping your, your foot to the floor and track position and stuff like that, or at least more of that than, than there was in the past. Um, you know, maybe it's just hard for him to overcome that. So I don't know if I can blame that on the crew chief, but at the, on the other hand, I mean, like you said, you see what Denny Hamlin's doing. You certainly see Martin Truex Jr. have fast cars and it doesn't seem like the 18 to start off, um, is as strong. And so, uh, you know, maybe maybe make a, a change for the sake of changing, but I don't know. At the same time, it's you know, do you do you give it a little more time? Maybe not. Maybe after one year of Kyle Busch, even if it was a defending championship year, you're just like, nah, forget it. You know, we we either win or or, or we're done. But I don't know who else you get that's a good match for his temperament and all that stuff. You know, and I think that's a really key point there. And I think this gets overlooked too is that Adam is a great crew chief to handle Kyle Busch emotionally and in terms of how Kyle is during the course of races, the things that Kyle asks, Adam is very firm. And I think this is what Kyle needs is a crew chief who is willing to stand up to him and say, no, this is what we're doing. And you, you have to get on board. And I think that's been the backbone of their success for the last, you know, since 2015. I, I don't know. It's a great question of who, you know, who's next man up if it, it, Adam is to go, but it's just crazy to think about. I don't know. And to your point about the driver in the rules package, I look back and he, he won a lot of, they were having a lot of success last year at the beginning of the year with this rules package. And yeah. Yeah. But uh, I mean, you know, then people caught up, right? Yeah, they caught up. But I look at, you know, we, we talked about, you know, I know when this rules package came out, everybody's like, this is going to be a game changer and it's going to, you know, change every, you know, change who's competitive. It's going to help narrow the gap between the big teams and the small teams. And, you know, and sure. But look at the guys who are winning races. It's still the Harvicks, the Hamlins, the Laganos, the the Elliots. I mean, it's the same guys who are winning a bunch of these races. So, I mean, I don't know. It just is. Everyone else has been able to figure it out, but Kyle Busch can't. I, I just I find that really hard to believe. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, you know, let's put a wrap on. Uh, in addition to, to Kyle Busch's season, um, we, gosh, and we probably won't hear from Kyle Busch the rest of the year, as far as media wise. You know, I mean, at least till the season's over, which is kind of weird because we're. You know, you get so used to to uh, hearing from him and hearing his quotes and stuff, but now that he's out of the playoffs so early, 
you know, he'll, he'll be sort of become an afterthought. I don't think he'll win a race. His streak's going to end. They, they certainly don't seem competitive enough to do that. So, but let's talk about the other three that got eliminated. Austin Dillon, you know, had high hopes for him, uh, making some sort of a dark horse run after, um, after the first round, it looked so good. And it was like, wow, yeah. you know, he could really do this. Uh, he obviously is not able to move on. Um, Eric Almirola, disappointment there for me because in the in the summer stretch, I mean, he he reeled off that long streak of uh, top tens and was mm-hmm. looking really strong there for a while, uh, and then come playoff time, they just they just weren't weren't the same team. And then Clint Boyer, you know, I never really had too much confidence in in that team. It seemed like you know they barely made the playoffs, um, or, or you know they, they certainly didn't come in with a a ton of momentum anyway. I wouldn't say they barely made it in the same sense that to Benedetto barely made it, but, um, and then, you know, they, they were fortunate to make it to the second round. This round obviously didn't work out for them. So, uh, any, any final thoughts on, on any of those other three drivers? I mean, I, I can't say it's too shocking to see any of them go. No, I, I feel like Austin Dillon just had hor- horrendous luck. Um, you know, he had a broken part at Vegas was running in the top 10, um, goes to Talladega has another mechanical issue. Um, it's just, you know that, that just dooms you in a round like this. And if you're not, you you can't if you can can't overcome it by winning a race, you're not going to have a chance. And like you said, the, the, the two Stuart the, the two Stuart Haas racing drivers, Almarolo and Boyer. I mean, I just you know their performance is is ebbs and flows. It looks like you know they go weeks where they look really good, and you're like, wow, these guys are on it. And then other times they just kind of disappear. And that's just kind of been their mo for the last few years. Um, they don't win races, uh, at least not consistently, and, and it catches up with you when you don't get those bonus points and everything. So it, it's Storehouse Racing continues to be Kevin Harvick and really everyone else. Yeah, and it, it certainly seems like um, Cole Custer is going to be the second winningest driver at Stuart Haas this year. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, Boyer and, and Amarola haven't won races since 2018. Yeah. I mean, that's that to me is just. Uh, I mean, and it, we obviously great. know Boyer. Boyer has stepped aside. Maybe wasn't going to be coming back, even if he didn't step aside. Um, we don't really know what what happened first, chicken or the egg type thing. Perhaps maybe you do, but um, I don't know that he would have been back even if he chose not to come back. If that makes yeah, sense. I mean, it, yeah, I mean, it was certainly. I mean, Stuart Haas Racing believes that Chase Briscoe is the future, and that he can be that next building block for the organization to build around. Um, whenever Kevin Harvick retires and they don't they need that next great driver so I mean you look at what he's doing in the Xfinity series um, you, you look at the fact that he's probably going to take a, a real if he's not going to be expensive <laughs> you know he's not going to cost a lot of money to pay um, it, it, you know reading the tea leaves it, it does seem to make sense but you know again did, did Boyer look at the situation and say you know what this is this isn't going to work out for me and you know like you said is it the chicken or the egg yeah um, now let's not, uh, go too far without talking about Chase Elliott, just because, um, you know, it's, it's sort of, a, you know, I was thinking about what I was going to write for, for the top five column. And I don't know, you know, how I avoid writing some of the same stuff almost about that I did in Daytona because it, it's sort of the same theme, right? I mean, to me, Chase Elliott is the best active road course racer. Um, you know, I know it seems to have happened out of nowhere. So it's sort of like, how to, you know, how can this be? But I mean, he's won four straight road course races and he's now won five road course races, uh, overall, which ties him for fifth all time. Now, of course, 
you do acknowledge that in this era, and especially starting next year when there's going to be six road courses, um, you know, the, the numbers may ultimately be a little skewed from where uh, the guys back in the day, they only had two chances a year. Um, the last few years in NASCAR, they've had three chances per year. Um, this year obviously got messed up with Watkins Glen and Sonoma falling off and Daytona instead, the Roval still um, maintained. But um, still, I mean, look, the guy's getting it done. He's getting it done. And, uh, you know, he said they got even better from, from last year. He did a better job, he felt like. Their car was better. Alex yeah, Bowman said they the tried to. This year. <laughs> he didn't hit the wall, yeah. Um, he was able to overcome a loose wheel that put him at the back at the start of stage three, dr- drove his way back up there. Um, Alex Bowman said he tried to drive Chase Elliott's setup in the simulator and try to go that direction. And he, he just, he couldn't do it. You know, he, it, it was different. So Chase Elliott, I mean, you got to give him props. I, I'm impressed. I mean, we talk about road courses as, you know, the true driver's tracks and it really showcases the driver's ability to do what he does and do it consistently. I just think it's incredible. And this isn't a driver that, this isn't an AJ Allmendinger. This isn't someone from open wheel racing or sports cars or anything. This is a driver who came up kind of the old fashioned way. I mean, he came up, he's a Georgia short track guy, you know? Um, he's not, you know, he wasn't spending a bunch of time on road course racing. And he's incredible. I mean, he really is. He's just, he is very smooth. You watch some of the passes he makes. He, he knows how to carry speed through a corner and to set people up. And it's, it's incredible to watch. And he just, dust these guys on a regular basis i watched it at daytona i watched it again today and he's just so smooth and yeah, i will and say this alan gustafson his crew chief calls a really good race and puts his driver in a really good spot to take advantage of his skill set well i think smooth is a great word there i mean you know the, the couple times they have these in-car cameras and um it almost looks like he's you know it, I, you know i don't want to say effortless but it, it he just looks so in control and uh that move he made on eric jones where he kind of set him up and crossed over and went to the inside, coming back onto the oval banking from the infield. That was that was really slick. Uh, just oh, so good. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. Is like he he talked after the race on our Zoom call, and he's like, "Oh well, you know, yeah, I've uh, you know I've I've gone to Spring Mountain with Ron Fellows, and I've gone to the Bondurant School, and you know, driven Corvettes there and stuff." And I'm thinking. I've gone to the Bondurant school. That doesn't mean anything. I mean, <laughs> what, what I, I'm I hearing is that you, maybe you're the next Chase Elliott and you don't even know it. No, I mean, that, that doesn't, you know, you can, <laughs> you can try to show somebody the basics of road course racing yeah. and, um, you know, put them in position and teach them. But how many people have tried to, you know, learn from Boris said, or learn from these experts and, you know, practice and study and study and study and get better at it. And for some people, it just doesn't click the same way. Yeah. Um, so, you know, kudos to him. And, and I tell you what, obviously we'll, we have a lot more time to talk about next year, but six road course races next year is going to really play into his hands. Be interesting to see if he can keep up his streak, um, of four in a row here, going for five in a row. Crazy, crazy. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, It's impressive. It really is. Like you said, all these guys, just about every single one of these guys has done some kind of road racing school. So it's not like he's the exception. I mean, it's all these guys and he's still going out there and waxing them. Absolutely. Well, any final thoughts on, on the Roval? I mean, you know, I thought we were, I, I, I was going into today when I woke up this morning, I was thinking, oh man, this podcast is going to be all about the rain and the craziness and oh my gosh, you know, this guy got eliminated because of this wreck. But 
you know, the, the stage stage one was cool and that you had some different guys up there and like, I liked the different strategies. Um, I liked how, you know, Ty Dillon was able to get up there and then you had guys put on slicks and, um, you know, as the, as the track was drying out, that was cool little wrinkle. You know what I mean? Um, uh, you know, other than that, the rain didn't have a huge factor, obviously once the track, once it, once it never rained again, I thought, I thought there was potentially going to be some storms toward the end there. Uh, is it there raining right now? I was or? just going to tell you, it's been raining for about the last 40 minutes and I am watching the rain come down pretty steady and the track is absolutely soaked. Yeah, so that would have been interesting, I guess. Uh, I, I, you know, I got a lot of flack on Twitter for my, my tweet yesterday. People were calling me a Karen and a boomer and all this stuff <laughs> because, um, no, I mean, I, I got pummeled on Twitter. I, I got know. pummeled during the Xfinity race. You're like the old man screaming at the neighborhood kids. No, but, but here's the thing. I, I, I feel like I, I got misinterpreted. Um, I said in my tweet that I think rain racing is cool. Racing on a slick track is cool. Uh, wet track in a, in a rainstorm, whatever. But what the problem I had was the standing water and just racing through a flood. I mean, that, that's, and you know, that, that one moment when I tweeted that yesterday was when I think you had like three cars crash into each other and it would look like a, a highway pile up and in fog or something or snow where, you know, it's just, I'm like, this is ridiculous, especially for, uh, an elimination race, uh, playoffs. That's, that's not the way to decide it. Now, apparently after that NASCAR felt the same way because they sent a driver, uh, message last night to all the drivers saying, look, I mean, we're not going to, we're not going to race through standing water today. If that's what happens now, it never came to that, you know, but I think I'm, I'm glad NASCAR, at least before this race today said, look, we're not going to, we're not going to turn this into a joke. You know, we're going to, we're going to try to race in actual racing conditions. So that, that was my only, my only worry about it. Other than that, I think rain racing is cool. It's a great test of skill. So I don't <laughs> want that to get misinterpreted, but I guess it will anyway. I love it. I love when you get all fired up. It's it, it, nothing excites me more. But I see, I was I wasn't fired up. I was just fired up that there was like they were racing through like the the when you go to Universal Studios and you're on the tram, and then they do like the flash flood, um, and and then you get to the Jaws and they. Uh, That's a you different know, ride, by the way. What Jaws? No, it's all you, part of the tram no, ride. No, the Jaws Jaws is a separate ride from the tram ride. No, on the yes, tram. Can you guys tweet Jordan and tell him? Jo- I have been to Universal Studios Orlando so many times. Jaws is a separate ride, but there is a tram ride through like a back lot tour and they do like a flood. An earthquake happens and then they flood. There, There is that too, yes. But there's the part where the, the seas part and you go down and, and Jaws comes right next to the boat and there's the guy fishing and then he's bleeding. Right. Like the blood shooting up out of the water. I, I mean, I, I don't, that's, you guys tweet yeah, Jordan at Jordan yeah. Bianchi. Anyway, speak, speaking of at Jordan underscore Bianchi, um, he took an L on last week's Was It a Good Race poll. Uh, sorry, Jordan. No, it, it ruined my week. I mean, I just tell you, I mean, it was, it was a miserable, lonely, I was distraught. I it just really needed a hug. Well, 74.8% of the people thought Talladega was a good race. I believe we both thought it would be in the 80s. I thought it would be low 80s. You were thinking high 80s. Um, Big Joe Wall, 72, who is our scorekeeper for this um, playoff edition of the was a good race poll notes that this is the first time during the playoffs that we failed to bookend the poll result. So previously we had, 
gotten on either side of it. It was just a matter of how far we were off. Um, this time, no, it was it was lower than we both thought. Uh, so I have taken a three to two lead. My total point differential is thirty three point six. Yours is forty six point eight. Still very very much a competition coming into this Roval guess for the was it a good race poll. Um, I'll, I'll, as always, I give you the option to go first if you if you choose. Uh, sure. I mean, I'm just going to try to get past my you know hurt feelings from last week. It was a tough loss. Move forward, look ahead, not back. Um, I'm going to say seventy percent. Okay, I mean the the number that was jumping out in my head was seventy five. Um, of course, I don't have a great like reason. You know, it, it wasn't you know like some unbelievable race like the inaugural Roval, but you know I think there was still you know you, there was lots of like in terms of the strategy. I mean, it wasn't. I don't think it was a boring race. You know, you yeah. you you had enough cautions to keep things interesting. Um, you know, it was different than everybody expected. Certainly it was, it wasn't crazy, but I still think it was a fine race. So I'll give it a 75. You get a, give it a 70 and we'll see where we end up. So, uh, next week is Kansas. And, uh, I don't really know what to expect with that one. I mean, I would, I would just, you know, expect the usual suspects will, will be up there, but at the same time, Kansas, the last few years has turned into quite a racy track really. So, yeah. And Danny um, Hamlin's been very good there. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be surprising at all to see another Hamlin Harvick showdown and see one of them clinch their way into the final four right away. Any final thoughts, Jordan? Uh, entertaining round two wasn't the craziness that we all expected. Talladega was wild, but it, it you know, and today was a good race and some ups and downs and some twists and turns, but so far pretty, I don't know, pretty straightforward playoffs. Kind of like we talked about it. Just, what's unfolding so far is kind of what we expected. So I'm curious to see if this continues. I feel like there's something lurking out there that's going to happen. That's just going to completely upset the apple cart. But so far, just, you know, business as usual. Well, I'll tell you what's lurking Martinsville as the round three elimination race. (laughs) I am done talking about like awesome. How excited I am for races. Cause it just, I feel like I set the bar too high for everybody. (laughs) No, it's not that. But I am excited for Martinsville. You, you have a good point, though, in that, um, you know, recently there's been sort of a run of races where people got super hyped up oh. and, you know, whether it was, uh, say, say the Bristol night race, Daytona uh, road course, Daytona road course, um, this Roval race, um, you know, I, I maybe I don't, could you throw potentially throw in there the uh, Daytona Oval as the, uh, see, I, I thought that delivered. I thought that was really yeah. good. It didn't have the It the was crashes. exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was exciting. I, and I, I say this, I still think stage two of that race was probably some of the best, most intense racing we've seen all year. But I do think, like you said, I think Bristol, cutoff race, Talladega, Roval, Daytona Road Course, I'm probably leaving something else out too. It just, I don't know. I think we all just thought it was just going to be a complete free-for-all, bonkers, whatever. And it just, you know, and it wasn't bad. It was just wasn't, I don't think it was quite the, you know, what we thought it was going to be. Well, it's just that when you, when you have your expectations so high and the hype gets built so high, mm-hmm. um, and that's all we talk about all week, and that's all that's on Sirius all week, and the TV commercials and how insane it's going to be, and cars flipping and drivers getting mad and fighting, um, you know, I think you just sort of get into this expectation of, oh my gosh, this is going to be, this could be nuts, when 
And there were some crazy nutty races earlier this year. First Bristol, um, second Darlington, right? Uh, first yeah. Talladega. There was, there was a lot of crazy stuff going on. So I think you have those in your mind still relatively fresh and, and it, it just, I don't know. It's not, it's not bad. It's just that they don't necessarily. Uh, no. And I think this speaks to like a bigger issue that I think we, we've kind of talked about. I think you've written about this recently too, is, is maybe the NASCAR marketing is in a, going in a direction that I don't always think best serves NASCAR because when you promote, you know, crashes, just crazy, insane crashes and cars on fire and flipping and fights and, that's let's be honest that doesn't happen <laughs> more that doesn't happen that often and i just think it does kind of skew the you know what you are think what you think you're going to see when you turn it into a race and i think if you you had a different marketing campaign i think that would probably help you know reset the expectations a little bit yeah all right well uh jordan i guess you'll be back at the martinsville race obviously uh sounds like we'll both be home for kansas and texas so We will be talking to you guys, of course, from there. Thanks, everybody, for listening, as always, and we will talk to you next time on The Tear Down.